A scripture is taken from Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 to 24. And it reads, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself, and he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name, sorry, and the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods and in the fruit of thy body and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. And the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above Thou shalt not be beneath, if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his will, his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come, on, come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shalt thou be, shall be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken him. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee, until he have consumed thee from off the land, whither thou goest to possess it. 
the Lord shall smite thee with consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. And thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. Here in the reading of the Lord. Today I Today I want to again commend the stewardship department for this wonderful program that they have put together. And uh, the theme is, am I a steward of the Lord? And I trust that today we would have uh, another chance to answer the question and to measure ourselves and to see where we are. I sat there, even though I, I uh, am very familiar with the passage that was read as a scripture reading today, but I just sat there listening to it again. It's an awesome passage. Sometimes we speed over those passages, but I'm very thankful that they are in the word of God so that we can read them and we can become familiar with them. Today, I shall speak to you on the subject, No Blessing in the Refuse. I want you to bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, this is your hour. And I'm, I'm aware, Lord, that I'm standing between you and your people. What a place to stand. So today I just pray that you would speak to my heart as you have spoken in times past. And I just pray that you'd make the message clear as crystal to the heart, to the mind of your people. May we live here determining in our hearts to be better stewards for you. This is a prayer. Accept it with our praise in Jesus' name. No blessing in the refuse. Have you ever considered eating the leftovers from someone's plate? I heard you. Nobody wants to do that. In fact, when you are eating, you do not even want people to stand close to you speaking. Do you know what that means? There might be foreign objects flying that you wouldn't want to be, that you wouldn't want to land in the plate that you're eating from. Now that's bad enough. Much more to eat the refuse 
after someone would have eaten the leftovers, the scraps, to be fed by that. It's distasteful to even think about it. And I hope that as we go through the sermon today, we will realize that the same way we do not want to be treated by anyone is the way we treat God. I want us to understand there is no blessing in the refuse. So, Let's just deal with a little bit of technicality here. Okay, so we had as a scripture reading, uh, the passage that is taken from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verses 1 to 24, which was very well read. Now, the word stewardship comes from two words. Stigward, which means a warden or a keeper. It refers to anyone who manages the property or the household of another. So if you have been, if anything has been placed in your care to manage, then you are a steward. So, all right, we're just having a little bit of difficulty here. Maybe we can work it a little better from here. So, it, it relates to someone who controls the domestic affairs of another household. Someone who directs the domestics by regulating the household expenditure. Now, as you read in the Gospels, there are many parables that Jesus uh, presents about managing goods. We heard one that was told uh, to the children this morning as a story about the, uh, the talents. They were managing for the Lord. They were stewards. Now, stewardship, think about it. And I want you to please keep that in mind, that as a steward, you are a manager. Each of us, we are managers. Now, as we look at stewardship, stewardship is, is an, a lifestyle, all right? Stewardship is a lifestyle of one who, uh, who accepts Christ. Uh, a lordship. So think about it now. Stewardship is, is a lifestyle of one who accepts Christ's lordship working in partnership 
with God and acting as God's agent to manage his affairs on this earth. That's what stewardship is. It's a lifestyle, all right? Stewardship is about God and man entering into a partnership. Now, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling to be in partnership with God. Isn't that so? You know, I grew up with a grandmother, and she, she used to tell us, listen, it, partnership is not good with people. In fact, my mother-in-law used to say, partnership is a leaky ship. It's going to sink. It can't last, especially when you are in partnership with the wrong kind of people. But to be in partnership with God is a wonderful experience. God as senior partner and man, you as junior partner. Now, successful management is predicated on obedience to God as owner. In other words, we must always recognize that we are, we have never been, the steward has never been an owner. The steward has always been a manager. God is owner. God is owner. All right? Now, to understand this a little more, I, I want to talk a little bit about the nature of God. Okay? The nature of God. And, and, and this is so important because this week um, on Ask the Pastor, somebody wanted to know about a God, where he came from. Hey, listen, let me say this. You know, there are more questions than answers. But the nature of God is shrouded in mystery. And over the years, and still now theologians and, and, and philosophers... Uh, they have tried to penetrate this mystery but have not been successful. And they will never be successful. Because anytime anybody begins to understand everything about God, then God ceases to be God. God's self-revelation in Scripture has shed a little bit of light on our understanding of who he is. So Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, and you would find that in your Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, uh, the Bible reminds us, it says, in the beginning, God created the what? The heaven and the earth in the beginning. So the Bible takes us to the, to the very origin, the beginning of the universe. In the beginning, God created let me say this to you, and it is supported by the word of God. God existed before he created. Did you know that? And this, as I've said, this concept is explicitly stated in the Bible. So if you go to uh, John chapter 1, you would find here, in the beginning the Bible says, was the word. Now, if you read that in the Greek, you would see uh, the logos. Right? And the Logos talks, uh, it, it uh, refers to the Son of God. So in the beginning was the Son of God, Jesus, right? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? 
Now, if you read this in the original Bible, you would not see in the. The is a definite article. You would see in beginning. Enache en hologos. You'll see in beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So uh, this establishes the fact that God was there before his created works. Before anything was brought into existence, God was already there. And theologians call it the divine wasness. He was always there. The divine wasness meant, first of all, that God is eternal. If you look at a pound coin, the old one, would you be able to, to say where the circle starts and where it ends? No, you just can't. If you look at a perfect circle, you would not know where it started or it ended. And it's the same like God. God is eternal. There was never a time when God came into existence. What was there before the beginning? The answer is provided by the biblical record, and that's God. He was there before the beginning. Now, if he was there before everything else was brought into existence, then it is impossible to assume uh, the existence of a source through which God came into existence. I hope the philosophy doesn't go over your head. But that's true. When we're talking about God, it is impossible to assume the existence of a source through which God came into existence. There is no indication in scripture to the effect that God was because something caused him to be. No. The Bible does not speak of a beginning before the beginning. The fact that God was points to his divine nature. He always was. Secondly, the divine nature, the divine wasness means that God is self-sufficient. Before the beginning, there was nothing except God. Therefore, he is all-sufficient. The Lord exists by himself. And self-sufficiency means that God is absolutely free and autonomous. Outside of himself, there is nothing or no one to whom God should submit. He is God. He is his own law. No one can impose obligation on him or force him to act in a certain specific way. He does not need anything from anyone because he is self-sufficient. You know, it's interesting because sometimes people feel that, well, you know, I'm not, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to return God's thanks or offerings as though you're doing God a favor. Keep your two pennies in the bank. Every day it spends there, the value gets less. Invest in stocks in heaven. I want you to know that God doesn't depend on those few pennies. He doesn't need anything from anyone because he's self-sufficient. You ask me, so why is it then that God asks you to, to return your tithe if he does not need anything from anyone? God wants to help you. He wants to bless you. 
Because God knows by you, by you returning, you're blessed. God knows that he doesn't want those few pennies. What he wants is you. And that's why God says, return the tithes. Because God wants you. God wants your heart. You can keep your money, but God wants your heart. When he has your heart, he has everything. So God is self-sufficient. John refers him to him as the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. He is everything. A proper understanding of stewardship then should be based on the conviction that God is eternal and self-sufficient. And our administration of what he has entrusted to us does not have the purpose of enriching him in any way. In any way. God as creator means that there is no one like him in the created universe. He is essentially different than all his creation. He is the eternal one without beginning or ending. Created beings have beginnings, you see. And that's where Lucifer made his mistake. If you read the book Sons and Daughters, you'd realize that when they, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, remember, they are three in one. They have always been that there is no beginning or end with the Godhead. So when there were uh, a meeting to discuss the creation of earth, Lucifer then, he was leading the, the heavenly, uh, uh, the angelic host, the, 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 the heavenly choir. He thought he should be invited into that meeting because, of course, he represents a huge part of heaven. And so he went to the angels and he, he, you know, he started to sow seeds of discord. And God the Father had to explain to the angels, hey, listen, we cannot invite him because he is not a creator. He is a creature. He was made. He was created. He doesn't have the power to create. So created beings, they have beginning. They were created. But God is not a created being. God is creator. There is no beginning or end with him. So thirdly, God is self-existent. Created beings have a derived existence which depend upon proper ecological balances, water, sunlight, oxygen. Without those, you would die. You cannot survive. So God is absolutely autonomous. But his creatures depend on him for their subsistence. Creatures are finite. Only God is infinite. And so, God challenges his people in his word with rhetorical questions. Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 5. To whom will you liken me? To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be like? To whom would you 
uh, like me. Uh, Isaiah uh, 46 and verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. That's what God says. That's what God says. So of the divine species, there is only one unique type. No one from within this created world can occupy his place or claim equality with him. The Lord is a supreme, incomparable, unique being. So God created the universe and he owns everything. That's why he's owner. That's why he's owner. We didn't create anything. We were created. And it's a pleasure to be working in partnership with God. So he's owner. He's owner. God assigns specific tasks. Or what we call stewardship responsibilities. To each element of his creation. So in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14, uh, the Bible says, And God said, Let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So God says, Hey, listen, there must be, let there be light. And the light is going to be the reason why we have the seasons. And the seasons would be the reason why. Plants flourish and survive. You know, it's, 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 it's so sad sometimes when, when, when autumn comes and you see the leaves from the tree. They, they, they begin to turn yellow. How you know, hey, death is coming, isn't it? And then you see the, the, the leaves begin to fall, to drop. It's, it's, it's not the nicest experience. People begin to feel depressed. A dark time is coming. But hey, listen, when you come to spring and you see the little buds coming out and the lovely green leaves, it's a sign of life. It gives you a lift. Look at the lovely day we have today. It gives us a lift. And, and, and God said when God created the lights, that was the purpose. So that the seasons could be governed. There is none like him in all the earth. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. And God says, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the fowls of the air. And over the cattle. And over the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God said so. God said so. Genesis 1.28. And God blessed them. And God said unto them what? Be fruitful. And multiply. Now I, I, I agree that there are some people who are more fruitful than others. You know. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And fill up Brixton Church. And subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. That was God's command. 
Hey, children are the heritage of the Lord. And let me say this to your parents, and I'm saying it to myself. Hey, listen, when God places those little children in our care, we need to understand that we are managing them for God. We are not owners. You know, sometimes we, 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 we act as owners and we can do them what we want. And some parents could be so cruel. We got to be very careful how we manage the children because God, they are God's children. They are God's children. And uh, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, and the Lord uh, God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and to, to do what? To dress it and to keep it. God gave man ecological and environmental management. Keep the garden, dress it, and keep it. God gave man a diet. God gave man a diet. You wonder why is it that Seventh-day Adventists don't eat unclean things? Somebody said to me, well, why are you calling the things unclean when God made them? I say, I didn't call them. The word of God called them. In fact, the word of God says about the swine, if you're listening to me, the, the, the word of God says, don't even touch the carcass. And you folks who buy food all about, you've got to be very careful. Because the same oil they used to fry the bacon is the same oil they used to fry the vegetarian stuff. God gave man a diet. And if we follow God's diet, everything will be well. They tell you the food chain is responsible for all these kinds of cancers that we experience in these days. God gave man a diet. Follow the diet. Genesis 1.29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which there is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. God's original diet, you can't go wrong. Remember, your body, and we're going to come to that just now, is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and God expects you. Remember, we talk about the four T's of stewardship, your time, your talent, your treasure, and your temple. God expects you. You know, when you walk into this temple here, this is where the presence of God abides. And that's why we ask you to be very reverent when you come in here. Be very careful what you do in here because this is the temple. Hey, listen, when you lose respect for this temple, you lose respect for God's temple. You need to understand it. Why is it some people treat the church any old how? Because they treat their bodies any old how. God's ownership of this universe is based upon his creative activity. Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2, King James Version. The Lord, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he had founded it upon the sea and established it upon the floods. That's what the Bible says. Psalm 50, uh, verses 10 uh, uh, to 12, it says, For every beast of the forest is mine. And the cattle upon a thousand hills, they're mine too. I know all the falls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field, they are mine, God says. If I were hungry, 
I wouldn't tell you because those few pennies in the bank can't feed me. No. The Lord says, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Saints of God, God does not need your money. God needs you. Don't ever think, well, God wants to rob you of something that you don't have. You're robbing yourself. God needs you. When God has you, listen, God didn't die for your money, you know. He died for you. You're important to him. You're important to him. So, God created man in his own image. It is God who created us as physical beings. And our stewardship is to manage our bodies that God gave to us. Our bodies is not something that we, that we have. Rather, it is something that we are. Our body and what we are are inseparable. All right? And God expects us to look after our body and manage it well. What we eat. Listen to me, and I want to be honest with you. Some of the most unhealthy meals we have is what we eat on Sabbath. People say, well, Sabbath, we need to, you know, make lavish preparations and so on. But we clog up our system with all the macaroni pie, the macaroni cheese, and all those kinds of unhealthy foods. And we can't even... Welcome God's Sabbath on time because we spend a lot of time in the kitchen preparing healthy foods. Listen, on God's Sabbath, you should have a light meal. Why do you think people fast? People fast because the Spirit of God is better able to communicate with you on an empty stomach. On Sabbath, if you want to have a healthy meal, stay light. Stay light. But we, you know, we say Sabbath and oh, it's Sabbath, we, we need to have a feast, man. Spread a table with unhealthy foods. We're killing ourselves on God's holy day. So we eat the wrong thing, thing and we drink the wrong thing. What about our sleep? Brethren, let me say something to you. Some of our men who play dominoes here, you may not like to hear that, but I need to discharge it to be free of that. If I didn't tell you, the Lord is going to hold me responsible. You see those unconsecrated hours you're out there on Saturday nights? That's sinful. That is sinful. I don't care how much devotion you have. That is sinful. Because you are not keeping, you are not taking care of your body. You know, listen. They've always told us, Sleep before midnight is always more beneficial than sleep after midnight. And you know, we knew that. But the other day I was reading and I came across a little bit of information. And you know what he said? He said the, the hormones that are responsible for repairing the body, the body generates them between 10 in the night and 2 in the morning. That's when the body generates the hormones that are responsible for the repair of the body. So it's not good, brethren. You don't want to get vexed with me, but I'm telling you, I want, I want to free myself of that obligation. It's not right what you're doing. Your family needs you. Your wife needs you in the bed. 
not good. It is sinful. I'm not saying you shouldn't play. Enjoy yourself. Go home by half 10, 11 o'clock. Go home. You don't have to be here 5 o'clock in the morning. You don't have to. It's not good. You are tampering with your body that is the temple of God. And God, hey, listen. How would you feel to know that you lose salvation over a game of dominoes? Brethren, take it seriously, please. What do we put on our bodies? The temple. Ladies, let me, let me speak to you from the perspective of a man. I want you to listen to me very carefully. There is no good man, no good husband, that would see his wife leave home with something that is tight as though it's ready to snap. There is no good husband that would see his wife leave home with something that is as short as even competing with a waistline and wouldn't tell her something. No good husband would do that. You know why? Husbands would like their wives to be covered well. If the men outside who like to see that, they're not your husbands. So they like to see that. So cover yourself well from the perspective of a man. If I was still single, you wouldn't score at all. That would be a box that would never be ticked. When you dress modestly, it doesn't mean that you're looking old or you're out of fashion. In fact, I prefer to see someone dress modestly than to see those little things. You wonder sometimes who competing with who, whether child and grandmother in a competition. You, you, you know, you, you wonder. A lady said to me the other day, Pastor, you must talk to some of our young men because they wear some trousers. Somebody call them funnel pants. And if it is true, if it is true, the psychologists say that men are turned on by what they see, not ladies. So men, those of you in the tight pants, you're not attracting ladies, you might be attracting somebody else. That's stewardship. That is stewardship. What you put on your body, because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. First Corinthians 4, verse 9, says we are made a what? A spectacle unto the world, unto angels, unto men. The second half of the text. You know what the purpose of spectacles? If you remove this, I can't see. The spectacle is to help us to see how we live, how we conduct ourselves. Serves like a spectacle so that the world can know who Jesus is. God made us social beings. God made us social beings. As social beings, we are particularly responsible for the stewardship of our social influences. The home, the church, the society. You think all this stabbing in London happened overnight? 
No, it started from the home. The home. Not realizing that children are the heritage of the Lord, we allow the television to raise the children. Right? And it has become worse now because every little mobile phone you have, you can find games on it. And the other day they were saying it's the mobile phones that are bringing in the violence in the homes because that's the games that children like to see. Who could kill who? Stewardship, managing God's property, the home. And in church, we've got to be so careful because these days you can't talk to children any longer. The parents coming for you. So we are the society. And the society is going to get worse. We can put as many policemen on the streets as we want to. The problem is not out there. The problem is in the home. And the overflow from the home is what you're seeing outside. You can't even walk the road walking, looking around. You've got to keep your eye on the ground walking. Because you look at somebody, hey, what are you looking at me for? And they're ready to kill you. We have lost it somewhere. We have lost it somewhere. The value and principle of our commitment to the Lord should have a direct and positive impact on our social interactions. Treating others with respect, concern, and love is a test of our stewardship of our lives. All right? That's what it is. Then we have work and worship. We have work and worship. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 10. We know what it says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you have to labor and do all your work. Notice this. You need to plan properly. Right? God gave man a work ethic and a time management command. Work six days in every week and rest and worship on the seventh day. Manage each day properly so that your work is completed within the time. Plan. Listen, we call Friday the preparation day, and, and that's what it is. But let's begin to prepare for Sabbath from Sunday. Press the clothes. Decide what you're going to cook. Start your preparation from Wednesday. Uh, the cooking preparation from Wednesday. Make sure that when Friday comes, you have minimal to do. Don't leave out the bulk of the work for Friday. And you're racing, and you're racing, and you're racing, and you're racing with the sun. And when the sun sets, you are more tired than anything else. God planned creation. Notice what he did on day one, two, three, four, five, right up. Notice when he made man, God had already made all the preparation for man to survive. There are some guys who want to get married and they're lazy as anything else, no preparation. Where are you going to put her when you get married? What would you feed her on? Go back to the Bible and learn how your creator planned for the human race. If I had a daughter, 
the men would have had to meet me first. I want to see a plan. You think you'll take my daughter and stab her? <laughs> want to see a plan. In fact, this thing is so terrible that Paul says, if you don't walk, you must not eat. So when the seventh day comes around, we should be relaxing. We should be relaxing. Put on some nice music that would bless and lift your soul. Not racing with the, with the, with the, with the, with the sun. No, no, no. Then God says, one-tenth of what you have, that belongs to me. All right? Manage what you have well so that you are not under any pressure to touch what does not belong to you. And that's why there are some people in the church that suffer so much. Because they're not faithful. You give God what is his and watch how he will turn around your life. If you're in debt, don't think about, well, it might be good to think about another job, but this is not the first thing to think about. Think about your giving. Because God has a way of blessing. I don't know how he does it, and I don't want to know, but I have been a recipient of God's blessings all my life. Give God what is his. Don't think about, about oh, well, the light bill is, is, is heavy this month and I can't return my tithe. Hey, challenge God. Challenge him. He says, prove me. The reason why so many people are struggling is because they're not challenging God. They're not doing what God asked them to do. Seventh-day Adventist members should be the richest people. Because as long as I can remember myself, I know we have stewardship programs going on, encouraging members to be faithful. Hey, listen, if you have some struggles in your life, go back and examine where you are unfaithful. God says he's going to blow on it. You wouldn't even see where the salary goes. Sometimes you would have tickets coming through your, your mailbox. Hey, when did that happen? But it happened. You know, all kinds of things are going to happen when you're not faithful. But trust God. Any one of you out in the congregation listening to me today, if you're listening to me online and you're in financial difficulties, put God first. Put him first and watch him walk. You remember that widow Zarephath? Elijah called after her, make me a little cake, lady, I'm hungry. Make me a little, give me some water so I have a little bit. But anyhow, I'm going to give you some of that. Well, make me a little cake too now. So I don't have much, but we have a little bit. My plan was to make a cake for me and my son, and we're going to eat, and we're going to lie down and die. People who are unfaithful, listen, let me say this to you. This is your fourth port of call, death, suffering, misery. But she went and she did as the prophet said. And what happened to the meal and, and the oil? It lasted throughout the famine. Every day, there was just enough for survival. Saints of God, trust God. I'm not asking you to do something that I don't know about. One day I can, I can you, know, you know, one day I can sit you down and I can go through my life, our life with you. Let me say this, God has been good. Has been good. When you 
and not under any pressure to, remove, to, to return God's tithes and offering, he blesses you. And remember, not just the tithes, the offerings, because God says, this is what is responsible for the survival of the church, paying our bills, our water rates, our energy bills, and so forth. Your, offering, your offerings do that. Do that. Quickly. So how can one be a steward for, for God? Right? By being obedient to his owner. Right? By being obedient to his owner. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Quickly, we come down to the end. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. Faithful. Right? Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 7. Do the work of him that sent you. Son of man, I've set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth. And that's why I'm, I'm talking to you from my heart today. If you don't like it, God help me. But I'm talking to you from my heart. I love you, but I love God more. And I want to ensure that I would have discharged my duties to you. All right? Do the work of him that sent you. Malachi 3.10. Return God's tithes and give your offerings as well. You know the, 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 the text? Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. Deuteronomy 26.17. God chose you as Lord. Walk in his way. Walk in his way. Deuteronomy 28.11. We heard it in the, the scripture reading. God will make you plenteous in good things. 28 and verse 12. He shall open unto you his good treasures. And you shall lend and not borrow. Hey, listen. Anytime you, 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 you find yourself borrowing from people, check your faithfulness. You shouldn't be asking anybody to lend you anything. You should be lending, you should be lending people instead. That's a good measurement to know if you're faithful. I wouldn't know, but you must know. If you find yourself always, always asking some, borrowing from somebody, watch it. Something is not right. You are not faithful. When you are faithful, you will have to borrow. You will lend. And I didn't say it. I read it from the word of God. And God doesn't lie and he can't tell lies. 28 and verse 13. God shall make you the head and not the tail. Who want to be by the tail? Huh? I remember, I remember when, we, when we went primary school, you know. When we went primary school and, and exams time come and, you know, time for results. We used to laugh. I mean, it wasn't a good thing to do, but we were children. We used to laugh at those who were down by the tail, you know. Keep laughing in class and so on, you know. It was a big joke for us. It's not good to be by the tail. And God doesn't want any one of you to be by the tail. God wants you to be leading people in society. Go be the head. Let people listen to you, right? God shall, uh, 28 and verse 13, God shall make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above and not underneath. I come to my final slide. It's a slide that is taken from the book we are reading now, Councils and Stewardship. I hope that you're reading that book. If you didn't, please read it. Page 22, it says, we should never forget that we are placed on trial in this world to determine our fitness for the future life. 
your tithes, your offerings, how you manage your body, your sleep, your diet, your clothes. We are placed on trial in this world to determine our fitness for the future life. None can enter heaven whose character is defiled by this foul blot of selfishness. Therefore, God tests us here by committing to us temporal positions that our use of these may show whether we can be trusted with eternal riches. May God bless us. I hope that this stewardship impact would help all of us. Brethren, I'm telling you this from my heart. I believe that the coming of Jesus is right upon us. I don't know how far we can go again. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not slack, as some people think about slackness. But he's just out there, reaching out to somebody. Maybe reaching out to somebody in this congregation. Maybe you're a member of the church. You have been baptized. Maybe you're coming to church every week. But somewhere in your heart, you realize, hey, listen, there is some way that I am not faithful. And God can just be waiting on you because he wants to save you. Today, if it is your desire to be a faithful steward, remember the theme for today, am I God's steward? I can't answer that for you. I can only answer this for myself. We are not perfect. We have messed up in certain areas. But today, if it is your desire to say in your heart, Lord, I need to take another look at myself. I need to take another look at how I deal with your tithes and offerings. I need to take another look at, at my sleep how I look after my body, what I eat. I need to take a lot, another look at how I clothe the temple. What am I putting on? When I walk the road, what do people think? We are made a spectacle unto men, not to angels. If it is your desire, you want to say, Lord, I want to take another look. Open my eyes. Please give me eye salve that I may see myself as I am. I can repent of my sins. And I can ask you to fill me because I'm making myself available. If this is your desire, kindly stand with me. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. 
And Lord, I've spoken to your people from my heart. I've opened my heart to them because I love them and I want to see them in the kingdom. May we each take a very serious introspective look at who we are. We are glad to know that you're a loving father. You're filled with grace and mercy and forgiveness. And you can forgive us. And you can help us. So we place ourselves in your hand. Have mercy upon us today. And prepare us for that great day when Jesus comes. May we not be found in that group that would be racing to the rocks and the mountains. And saying, fall on us. And hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne. But may we be in that number. That would be standing with arms outstretched. Say, this is our Lord. We have long waited for him. And he's coming to save us. Help us to be in that number today. Again, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for the invitation that we can be in partnership with you. Continue to bless our lives, we ask. In Jesus' name.